0: Let us pray. Almighty God, I come to you now as your servant, asking that the words that I speak this morning would not be mine, but they would be yours. Asking, O oh God, that those who hear receive these words would receive them not only in their minds and in their hearts, but deep in their souls, O oh God, that place where only you and they go. Help us to recognize this morning, O oh God, that there is no demon that we have that Jesus can't get rid of. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit, that I would do your will and not my own. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so today's reading comes from uh, Luke chapter 8, beginning with the 26th verse. They sailed onto the country called Genneson directly opposite of Galilee. And as Jesus stepped onto land, a madman from town met him. He was the victim of demons. He he hadn't worn clothes for a very long time, nor lived at home. He lived in the cemetery. And when he saw Jesus, he screamed and fell before him and bellowed, What business do you have messing with me? You're Jesus, the son of the high God. Don't! Give me a hard time. The man said this because Jesus had started to order the unclean spirit out of him. And time after time, the demon threw the man into convulsions. He had been placed under constant guard and tied with chains and shackles, but crazy and driven wild by the demon, he would shatter the bonds. And Jesus asked, what is your name? legion my name is legion and because many demons afflicted him therefore legion and they begged jesus desperately not to order them into the bottomless pit there was a large herd of pigs that were browsing and rooting on a nearby hill and the demons begged jesus to order them into the pigs and he gave the order but it was even worse for the pigs than the man because they crazed they stampeded over the cliff, into the lake, and drowned. Those tending the pigs, scared to death, bolted, and told their story in town and country. People went out to see what happened. They came to Jesus and found the man whom the demons had been sent, sitting there at Jesus' feet, wearing decent clothes and making sense. It was a holy moment, and for a short time, they were more reverent than curious. Then those who had seen it happen told how the demonic had been saved. Later, a great many people from the countryside got together and asked Jesus to leave. <laughs> too much change, too fast. And they were scared. So Jesus got in the boat and sent set off. The man whom he had delivered from the demons asked to go with him. And Jesus said, no, no, no. You go back to town and tell everything that God has done for you. Okay. This is one of those stories that's going to be preached about this morning. And in the more conservative churches, you're going to hear about what? Demonology, right? You're going to hear about possession. Uh, I'm sure somebody's going to bring up the movie *The Omen*, and and all of those kinds of things. First of all, I have a question for this group, and and you know you're not on camera, so nobody's going to see this. How many of you believe this story word for word? Uh, okay, cool. How many know what a myth is? You know what a Roman, what the uh, the myths were that. And I know that we talk about it today, when we use the word myth, we, we often use that in a negative way, right? Because we're saying, oh, they're just telling myths. They're saying stuff that's not true. But actually, the, the, the truth of the matter is, on myths, there was always a kernel of truth with it. It was based on something that actually happened. So, let me help here with the exegetical work about this particular writing. This is an unusual story. It appears to set Jesus' compassion for a man chained among the tombs against the compassion for the Gentile people of the community. Now, remember, get this setting in your head right. Jesus is what? A Jew. This dude is a Gentile. And how do we know that? How How could I just, without doing any research or anything, know that this, where Jesus was at, that he was no longer amongst the Jews; that he was, he had moved into a part of the world uh, where folks were Gentiles. In other words, of the non-Jewish faith. They had pigs. He Was away from them. absolutely. They had pigs, and 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 these pigs were not, you know, they they were being kept, they were being herded, they were being used. Okay, so that's the first thing that it tells you. The second thing is, um, this is in the territory. Uh, of uh, uh, the Jordan, if you know, if you look at a map and you look at where Syria is today, so that that's where this is located. Um, Jesus's exorcism of the demons afflicting this man, who lived among the tombs, seems at once both puzzling and bizarre. We can only speculate, and this is the key part of this exegesis. We can only speculate what his specific illness was. Because in that day, serious medical conditions were always laid at the feet of demon possession. Okay, which means that again, in this story, this guy, is, and, and I tried to, 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 to do it correctly, when Jesus got out of the boat, he was right there in his face screaming at him carrying on and you know it's interesting to me that we've had that happen when we've done hygiene kits you know people that that have a a mental challenge going on or whatever they're right there when you you get out of the vehicle and they're right there and they're right in your face and yelling and crying on and screaming and 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 so forth and so on now he knew Of Jesus apparently who Jesus was as a rabbi he's a Jew so he could have been yelling at Jesus for several reasons one you're a Jew you know and you're in my you're in my territory so what are you doing here are you here to hurt me some more or he may have been uh, of that mind when people have religious delusions uh, that in fact he was possessed and that Jesus was going to do something uh, to hurt him well, how can we relate to this? If I, if I'm going to take the course that that um, demons, as in when we think of demons like little imps, okay, and they they get in you and they <laughs> flow through you and make you do all this awful stuff, or like the omen, it makes you spit up green pea soup <laughs> <laughs> or say foul things that's one thing however I'm a, I'm a little further along with that because I recognize that as we have moved on in our life we know that there are demons out there mm-hmm. what do we call those demons today I mean, Alcoholism, alcohol Drogs. meth cocaine Sexual addiction a matter of fact any addiction that you can think of because what is that that is where the demons Has absolutely taken over your life fear and hatred So if we can have this debate if we want to avoid this whole debate about whether demons exist or not we need to acknowledge that that demons do exist and they fall within the kinds of behaviors that we get ourselves involved with that what separate us from God, that separate us from the love of God. This guy, I mean, can you imagine how bad this was? They thought, hey, come on, folks. How do we deal with what we call people that have mental health challenges? Listen, first of all, we've just gotten around to the the, the point where we even talk somewhat kindly about people that have mental health. Because I could tell you when I was young, we never talked about multiple personalities. We never talked about borderline personalities. We never talked about manic depressants. We just talked about Crazy Joe. them. and that is exactly right. <laughs> Throw them in a building, lock them up, keep them away from us, and keep the and keep them away from the children. Mm-hmm. Keep them away from the children. So, you know, it seems like that we're we're not much better than the folks then. But, I mean, you know, it's scandalous. This guy had a mental health issue, wasn't behaving the way he was supposed to, and they run him out of town to where? A cemetery. I want to ask you all a question. If you were kicked out of your house, if you were kicked out of town, and you had to live in a cemetery, what kind of thought process would you be having? after a short period of time. Might be better six feet under. Hallelujah. So, there was a lawyer that one time went to see his pastor. He was down in the dumps. He was at wit's end. And he said, everything has gone wrong. I have lost confidence in my ability, professional ability. My partner has left me. I don't get along with any of my family. I am cut off from my parents and my in-laws. I'm having conflicts with my co-workers." I have been drinking heavily everybody has left me and I don't blame them I have become bitter and hostile I've done so many mean and cruel things and now I have so many problems and the guy actually said this to the pastor my problems are legion see when you read scripture you got to read it in the context That it's written legion was Romans Roman soldiers 6,000 made up a legion this guy's got lots of problems and he called him legion and when Jesus asked what his name was that man he had a lot of problems and he called it legion he paused he took a deep breath and then he leaned forward and he said to tell you the truth I think all those problems and troubles are symptoms My real problem is I don't like myself. And it taints everything that I touch. And I'm here to tell you today that rather than getting into a debate about demonology, that this is what we ought to pay attention to, is that most of our demons that we deal with are because we don't like ourselves. I mean, I cannot tell you folks how many people the exercise that I have given them as part of uh, building up their self-worth is go home. Set in front of a mirror and look at that mirror and tell that image in that mirror, I am wonderfully and uniquely made in the image of God, and that is enough. You know people can't do that. They come back to me two weeks later and I said, did you do your homework? No, pastor. And it's because if there's a demon in this world, it's the way the world does things to prove to you that you are not worthy. That is a lie. God created you as you are. This guy in front of Jesus was incredibly unhappy with himself. Now, I'm gonna give you three quick stories to prove my point. When I left Chicago, I was a mess. I was an absolute mess. I had become convinced that God hated me that God and I were at war and I was losing. And at one point, uh, some of you have heard the full story, but we don't have to go through the full story, but just suffice it to say, there was a point where I thought about um, ending it. And in that thought process, I also decided that if I was about to commit the biggest sin besides being gay, which for a Roman Catholic is what? To commit suicide right, that I would tell God (laughs) exactly why I was doing this. And I played my victim card in that prayer very well because I had a bottle of Jack, you know, not even a shot glass, just a bottle of Jack. And so between accusations towards God, I was taking a swig. Why I did not die of alcohol poisoning, I don't know. But in the process of that, as I got, the last thing that I remember as I got towards the end of the prayer is, you know, look, God, you know that I can't live by myself. And at this point, I don't care whether it's man or woman. I need to be in a relationship. God, I, I haven't got a job. My family is, is gone. I can't be what you call me. To be. I'll tell you what, God, because at that point, I was considering going down to Cincinnati. I said, you give me any one of those things, and I'll go back to ministry. And that was the last thing I remember. Until I hear this pounding on my door of the apartment. And it's the Palatine Police Department standing outside my door. Well, because I had left a note. I didn't want the people that were coming to pick me up to just walk in and find a dead body. So I left a note. (laughs) They read the note. They called the police. Now, what you need to know, though, is when I got down to Cincinnati, it was a couple of weeks in that first two weeks, I met him. I got a job. We spent the last $200 we had between us to get that old Pontiac that maybe it had a 404 barrel in it. It would pass would pass anything on the road except a gas station. And we had all those hills in Cincinnati, right? So, And the, and the gas uh, gauge went full, was over here, and went this way to get to empty. And, of course, the speedometer went this way. I used to try to balance them. As we were going up and down the hills. It was great stuff. Great car. And, and so I had a car, a job, and I met him. And it was like, oh, shit. You can't do it. This is not right. And so I said to him, I, well, I told him the story. And I figured he would have just left me at that point because he would have determined that I was crazy. crazy. <laughs> no, what he says is, well, there's MCC. And I said, What's MCC? Metropolitan Community Church. It's where gay people go. And I said, Gay people don't go to church. Mm-hmm. Well, it took us a minute to find the place. You remember? Because it was over there off of uh, Hollister Street, was it? Yeah. Little so, uh, Vine. It's on Hollister Street, On right Hollister off Street. The vine. Yeah, there you go. So we walk in late. And we walk in late, and the very first words that I hear is a reading from Scripture it's the Psalms and the words are behold I have done this new thing do you not perceive it well he'll tell you I was just I was a wreck all the way through the service all the way up to communion we get to communion and I didn't want to have anything to do with the pastor there because he was a flame artist (laughs) and I told him I said we're not going to him well you know how God works right we ended up (coughs) going to him And Billy didn't particularly care for the guy. But here we are. And he gave us communion. And in MCC, they pray for everybody individually, right? And he leans over and he starts praying. He acted like Billy wasn't there. The prayer was aimed right at me. This guy has no idea who I am. And he ends the prayer by saying, And God, let your servant know that they have come home and they can now answer their call. Well, the rest is history. Brandon, this week, comes in to see me, and he had gotten a last month. He had gotten notice from the DeCab court system that he was wanted for jury duty. Hallelujah! That's what it feels like, too. Mm-hmm. I gave him the date, and between the two of us, somewhere along the line, the summons got lost. He forgot the date. I forgot, to, wasn't thinking about it. He comes in to see me and says, yeah, I need to know what that date is. And I said, well, that's no problem. We'll just call DeKalb County. I get the woman on the phone, and I said, uh, Brandon Maddox is supposed to be jury duty. I think it's tomorrow, the 20th. And she goes, no, you were supposed to be here the 4th. Oh, shoot. It's a little late. Oops. Contempt of court, right? Because it says that right there in the thing. Here's what she said. But that's okay. We didn't need you. Gotta take care. Bill Ruck, a really good friend of mine. Him and his son are climbing up Kennesaw Mountain. They get all, and and, and as they get to the, uh, as they start to climb, the the son tells his dad. He says, "You know, I forgot my sunglasses." And the sun is really, really bright, and he's got some kind of issue with his eyes. And and he said, "I wish I'd have, i remember my sunglasses." And his dad said, "Well, just don't look up. Keep looking at the ground, and I'll I'll guide you." They get to the top of the mountain. God's truth. They got to the top of the mountain. And there in the bushes was a pair of Hmm. (laughs) Ray-Bans. And finally, there's a person out of our church. Who when they came to church, they were uh, entertaining, shall we say. We might have even talked about them in the manner that this guy was talked about. And we had two women who come to church. And they told our church that they needed prayer because they were facing eviction, that they didn't have, have the money. A person come up to me after church and said, Pastor, pay their rent. And I looked at the person, I said, no, you can't do that. Because if you do that, then you're not going to have any money. And then you'll be out on the street. And here's the quote. I've been out on the street. I know how to live out there they've never been on the street and they'll die. Mm. That's what this story is about, is seeing what the need is and being able to meet it because God loves you unconditionally and gives you the ability. And as far as those pigs running off the thing into the water, I have no idea. (laughs) That myth is true? However, it might be, if you want to think about it, what happens to folks who don't love. They're the ones that run off a cliff and ultimately drown. God bless you. Amen.